0: Hi, I'm Bowen Yang and welcome to Search Party, the podcast, brought to you by iHeartRadio and HBO Max. Think of this as an audio companion to the dark comedy series that you can't help but binge watch. And today's theme is truth and lying. These issues are integral to the entire plot of Search Party, of course, but there's no question that the quest for truth comes to a head during season three's courtroom scenes where it's debated in spectacular form. Speaking of which, today on the podcast, I'll be joined by Search Party co creator Michael Showalter, who also plays Drew's boss, Max, as well as our celebrity guest, comedian and actress, Michaela Watkins, who, among other things, you know as Search Party's tough as nails prosecuting attorney, Polly Danzinger. Come, come listen. Hi, how Hi. are you guys?
1: We are well. I speak Good. for all people.
0: <laughs> all people. <laughs> <laughs> all people are the worst version of well right now. Yeah. The theme of today's episode is truth and lying. Mm-hmm. I feel like um both of you are familiar with that with that duality. Wouldn't you say that binary of truth and lies?
1: Yes, I was I was uh, showing you what lies look like when I said we are well.
0: You think it's a lie? You think that's a dishonest thing to say?
1: Well, I think I that am well. well. I am well at the moment, but we we are not well.
0: No. No. No, no, no. We
1: are unwell. Sure.
0: We took that to be the subtext for sure. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, uh, it's very nice to have you guys here. So on the subject of truth and lying, I want to start off this conversation by asking Michael, I guess, a lot about the conception of the show while you guys were writing, just making the pilot, making the first season. How much of the lead up to Keith's murder would you say sort of dealt with? the truth in terms of Dory's journey to like find Chantal and then ultimately murder Keith. But then was there this understanding that Dory was going to struggle with perceiving this moment as self-defense or actual murder after the season one finale?
2: So a couple things. One, it's been so long now since we did that first season that, or it feels like it's been a long time that my memory is probably a little off. Two is whatever I say is I, I, may or may not be refuted by other people that you have on the show that's fine that's fine so i i speak only for myself okay. um three i will start with the first question and then answer the second and then go to the second question my recollection of the first season of the show was that we got very excited by the idea that Dory or i should say i got very excited by the idea that Dory is creating her own truth mm-hmm And then if you extrapolate that a little bit and it's sort of what ends up happening, which is if you want something to be true, then everything that comes in front of you could feed into that narrative. And so Dory has a truth that she's not even aware of, which is that she's Dory has cast herself as the lead in a narrative that she doesn't even realize that's what's happened, which is the narrative is she's solving this murder herself. Mm
0: -hmm. She's Mm -hmm.
2: solving or or she's solving this unsolved mystery by herself in this sort of Nancy Drew, whatever you want to call it, way. And that it's giving her life meaning because she doesn't have her life when we meet Dory is sort of meaningless. And that without even knowing it, she already knows how this narrative ends, which is that she's going to solve the crime. That's the right. narrative that she's feeding is that. And in a way, it's a narrative that we all wish we could. It's, and, and if you look at Serial, if it, you know, when we were making this show, we started talking about Search Party right around the time that the first season of Serial came, came out. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I think there was a for people like us, there was a lot of wish fulfillment in that. Oh, man, what if you just like dropped yourself down into the, some crazy murder mystery and solved it? You know, like there was uh-huh. something so Ill- alluring about like getting yanked out of your ho-hum life and sucked into this exotic, crazy murder mystery, right? And so yeah. Dory is in that narrative, but doesn't know it. And so what was what's happening is everything that happens is a clue that's feeding a false narrative. Mm. And so if you were to unwind it, you could and look at it from a different perspective you could see that no matter what happened she was going to make it mean what she wanted it
0: to mean i was going to say that like she finds this sort of opening to insert herself into someone else's narrative which is chantal going missing but then the whole narrative that she wants to fulfill by the like she wants to take to its full sort of realization is 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 built on this other false narrative that she and chantal were very close and well, and
2: also, and yeah, and I extrapolated it even further to say we are Dory,
1: we mm-hmm, the audience mm-hmm. are
2: Dory, which is how boring would it be? Like we're all partaking in this false narrative with her, yeah. That that Chantal is mysterious and da 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 da, and that they were friends, and that there's a that that like there's all these conspiracies floating around and da da. Like nothing is just actually what it looks like it is. Everything yeah. has hidden meaning and everything is something else when in reality, no, it just was all exactly what it looked like it was. And and so part of the idea was the unreliable narrator and that the way in which the audience gets pulled into that, that we were also wanting it to be something real. And we were also wanting it to be some crazy thing and that and that so that by the end of it when the when the sort of the banality of it is revealed the just utter nothingness of it is revealed that we are also implicated in that because we also mm. wanted to believe that it was as crazy and as alluring and dangerous and whatever as it as Dory felt that it was
0: wow do you feel like Dory remains the surrogate for the audience by let's say season 3 i mean like she starts out kind of guileless and She is a little bit compliant and she sort of goes along with whatever circumstances get thrown her way. And of course, she's inserting herself into this search for Chantal. But then by season three, I feel like the case that Polly makes is that she is this sort of morally bankrupt person who has Mm -hmm. manipulated the truth to such an extent that it's affecting people around her.
2: This is like the never ending discussion that we have about Dory, which is like the whole show in a lot of ways is about who's Dory. Yeah. Who really is she? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And you're right that starting in season two, you start to realize that she's... The question, this isn't really an answering question. This is a larger question of just like... No, please. There's a sort of like a boundary that Dory crosses that cannot Mm -hmm. be returned from. Yeah. In her as a character. Like she makes some choices that you can't go back from those choices and then say, oh no, deep down, she really is a good person. Like Dory's big thing is, am I a good person? Am I a good person? What makes me a good person? And again, these are things that other, other, other creators of the show will have, I'm sure much more interesting things to say about it. But her battle is, am I a good person? Is what I did bad is, is what I did in response to what I did bad? Like da, 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 And she's endlessly telling herself lies to feed a narrative for herself that she is a good person, because if she didn't see herself that way, then she wouldn't
0: be able to keep going. Sure. But it's still so interesting to hear you talk about this in terms of how much of the foundational stuff you you all laid out in the beginning of the show found these new contexts and environments that sort of still like dig deeper into that question of who is Dory.
2: I was just going to say, I love one of the things I love so much about season three is like, you thought you knew everything about Elliot. Like you thought Elliot couldn't <sighs> get any more false.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, like, and and when that was one where the the sort of the the lie that Elliot is telling in season one, we didn't think past that at first. No, that was the big lie. There, it hadn't been discussed that he was also lying about about so much more.
0: Right. But
2: I do love, and I th- this is all. Charles and Sarah Violet, the the bottomless pit of layers that are getting endlessly peeled off these characters. You know, you didn't think Elliot could be any more fake, but he is.
0: Sure. Because we don't even find out the origin story behind why he lies in this pathological way because he meets his mom and then she's about to reveal something that happened to him in his youth that like has turned him into this person who lies On instinct. And then he gets this call, and of course, he runs away. But yeah, let's talk about season three in terms of the trial setting because the trial itself sort of dominates season three. And a lot of the character development from the first two seasons sort of comes to a head. And we see all these characters who do these sort of reprehensible things finally get tossed into this moral setting where the truth is like what's driving the entire. Persuasive element of a courtroom. Did you know back in the beginning of the show that you were building towards the trial when you were writing those seasons? It definitely came up. It de- there
2: yeah. definitely was a sort of a very broad, you know, season one. She's she's searching for the for the answer in season two. She's like being, you know, like she's hunting in season one, and in season two she's the hunted, and mm-hmm, then in season mm-hmm. three, and then in season three is the trial. Yeah, and then so we had gotten that far, but we hadn't yeah. really we hadn't really unpacked it beyond that.
0: We can quickly talk about Max as a character. He's Drew's boss, who you play, Michael. What do you think his role is in the show, especially in season two, where he sort of becomes victim to Drew's architecture around lying? Like he just sort of plants all these things to make Max seem like he's um, having sex with one of Drew's colleagues. So what happens with Drew and my character, which is a tiny, really a tiny
2: character, although we had I wanted we, we had discussed a, a, quite a bit the possibility that Drew has an affair with my wife, that Drew mm. has a big a big affair with my wife in season two. But But the point there is that, like, no one is no none of these characters are not susceptible to falling prey to something driven by something that's like super selfish, super let you know like like no one is just pure none of the yeah. main characters are just pure and i i will only say that that a lot of that i think was was coming out of conversations in the beginning about about like social media mm-hmm. a lot of the early conversations had to do with the way people and and you know this is not new you know as a as a template but the sure. the way in which people of that generation create themselves uh, in uh, in social media, that that everyone has this created self and then this true self. So everybody has a surface that's not true and then multiple layers beneath that surface that are constantly revealing darker truths. And then the big question of all of it is like, do any of these things make you a bad person? Do any of these transgressions actually equal that you are a bad person?
0: Absolutely. And I think you can take that application and bring it to Polly, I think, just to really smoothly segue into, into Michaela. Um, Beautiful. Um, well, I feel like, cause I feel like Polly is sort of, uh, well, first of all, Michaela, I mean, let me give you the floor and just um, describe Polly uh, to our listeners. Uh, what wh- How do you sort of describe Polly as someone who has sort of played her and, and been in a lived in experience with her?
1: Um, I, I think that she is all about the truth. You know, I, I mean, I think that she decides on a truth and then supports that truth. But I think that she, I don't think anything she says this entire season is a lie or wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that she has a point of view and then supports it. I think that she's a rough around the edges, seen it all, a prosecutor. She is a woman in that role, which is, you know, always, I think means she comes with a real sense of grit, and get it done, and probably mm-hmm. a real sense of justice underneath all of it. I think I think more than just wanting to win, I think she does have a justice streak. Um, and I think she's kind of got Gloria Allred hints. I've done a lot of research on public defenders, because I wrote a show about that. And... We always look at TV as this like very posh world of criminal lawyers who are in these really wonderful suits and getting in these really fancy cars and, you know, dealing it just sort of shows this really glossy kind of look. But the reality is of sitting in so many courtrooms is these people are frazzled, messy, very unfashionable. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think if you're dealing maybe with like super high end white collar crime, maybe you've got some spiffy suits in there. But in general, they just look a little like frazzled and haggard because they're pouring over briefs and they're a little overwhelmed. I mean, very overwhelmed. And I just think that she's a very smart woman and she doesn't, she, she knows how to tame her hair and put on a outfit, but I don't, and she wants to present, but I don't think that she's uh, spiffy and sharp. And I don't even know if that was the creator's intention. That was (laughs) just sort of mine. I came when I talked to wardrobe. I was like, I think she's, there's something off all the time like there's just something slightly <laughs> off with her look.
0: I do appreciate that Polly's office um is just mostly boxes with, with probably yeah. with probably briefs and paperwork in them and it just felt it just felt actually I mean forgive the use of the word but it felt authentic it felt like yeah you're right like there is a sense of grit and gumption or whatever to to that job. But um let's get to this clip from season 3 episode 7 in which Polly cross-examines Elliot on the stand and then we'll discuss.
1: Now, you said that you know Dorian Drew from NYU, yes?
0: Yes, go Violets!
1: Woo! Well, (laughs) that's interesting, because you know, I did a little digging, and according to the university's registrar's office, you were never actually enrolled as a student, Mr. Goss.
0: Okay, I suppose that is technically true, um, but I audited four years of classes amounting to a poli-sci major.
1: Oh, did you graduate from the university?
0: I rented a cup and gown and took photos at the ceremony like everyone else. So yeah, I but did. But you
1: didn't receive a diploma. So you did not graduate. I
0: do not understand the value of that distinction. <laughs> um, such a funny scene. Both of you just playing off each other so perfectly. I do love the line Polly says, but you did not receive a diploma, so you did not graduate. Elliot, I don't understand the value of that distinction. But that just sums up Elliot for you. Mm-hmm. In, in such a neat way where it's like, oh, right, like to him, the appearance of doing something is the same as doing the thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And with what Michael was saying earlier in terms of uh no one being pure and everyone being sort of informed by some untruth, I feel like what Polly is constantly driven by is this perception of millennials as entitled and awful and solipsistic uh, and then... Jim Santangelo even says, "Oh, I think that's like I think I think hating on millennials is sort of not a thing anymore." Yeah. Um. So just I love that double comment in that show. But but, but do you feel, do you feel like Polly is sort of connected to this idea that millennials are awful?
1: Yeah, I mean, or, or at least that's certainly her thesis, and she's going to do everything she can to support that. I sort of feel like she maybe thought of it when the case came across her desk. Like now that we're, you know, she probably at her firm is probably moving through so many terrible assistance because they want self-care and she's like what (laughs) uh so i I think there is that generational divide i love when shalita grant's character says you know oh don't worry about her she's one of those women who thinks you have to be a man to to get ahead or you know who who basically acts like a man to get where she is i i think that's absolutely true about about, i think that's a super spot on like that's her idea of feminism is that i am going to be a man but worse
0: after this quick break, we'll continue our exploration of the themes of truth and lying in the context of Search Party with Michael Showalter and Michaela Watkins. Stick around.
1: Listening to you talk, Michael, and hearing how you have the complexity with which you think of the characters it's no wonder that you all found each other because you were you created new paths in comedy and where no man had ever gone before or a woman and, and and same with sarah and charles the way they see the show the 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 layers the many 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 layers that they can keep giving season after season and just the way that it it can take somebody like Dory in who we meet and we all relate to Dory because she's sort of like a seemingly a very good person who's just moving through the world with a little, you know, loss, but wants to help and has good intentions all the way into season three. And that now, you know, the murder wasn't, wasn't the problem. The murder was, it was self-defense, you know, right. it wasn't the murder. Right. It's what everything they did after that and how, that is how they're being defined but i don't think polly wasn't polly wasn't there she doesn't know what happened but she knows that something's off all the evidence is there they committed the murder
0: right
2: the murder wasn't the problem but the the realization the real problem was the realization that it was all untrue mm-hmm. for me so mm-hmm. like the like what,
1: what
0: part of it being untrue
1: yeah
2: Everything that she thought was true was not true. I'm talking about season one.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yes. About
2: I'm 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 saying I'm saying that that scene at the end of season one where she's staring at herself in the mirror. What's what I what I think she's thinking is I was wrong about Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then by proxy, if I was so wrong about everything, then I'm wrong about everything else. It's Mm -hmm. like for me, it becomes this deeper, like existential thing that she's feeling, which is I thought I knew everything. And now I'm realizing I know nothing. And the chasm, her chasm of not knowing herself, it it gets exponentially deeper. Yes, it's like Pizzagate.
1: It's like showing up with guns and finding out there's actually no basement and
2: sex dungeon.
1: But, but, that killing, pe- so, but, but killing but killing someone somebody. in the process
2: but exactly. then accidentally killing someone in the in the process and having the awareness to know that you messed up that's the, the, yeah. that's the the one thing that's different about dory and that's that we're sort of exploring in this story is like we're giving her the ability to recognize that she made a mistake Mm-hmm. in a way that you would think that Pizzagate people are just going to quadruple down on it. You know, like, well, I still think there's there's like an evil right conspiracy here. It's like she knows she's needing to pivot and make a new reality now
0: because she knows she fucked sure. up. Sure. And that applies to, I think, most of the characters, too, where they're given these opportunities to reconcile the truth and the untruth, but then they, they usually opt for quadrupling down on the lie.
2: Well, and even Drew, like, even Drew, like, you, you you were talking about, you know, Max, and it's like, even Drew, who's like, seems like the good guy, mm-hmm. you know, but he's constantly bending the, like, he's constantly dipping his toe in the water of darkness or whatever, whatever that yeah. is, you know, he's right. constantly crossing that boundary, but he still has that veneer of, but I'm not really like that. I'm not that guy, you know.
0: Sure. Because the lie just scales up for each of them, uh, especially in season three when things go so public, the lies just get sort of bigger and more public. In that in that sense, where Dory just you know screams at news news reporters that she didn't do it, that she insists that it you know that she is completely innocent, and then it, and it, and it, and
2: it, and then like the whole the whole system gets gets sucked into it too, where it becomes fodder for entertainment for the rest of yeah. the world. So it's like the truth gets lost in in her cool outfits and, and her mm-hmm. persona as a millennial and blah, blah,
0: blah.
1: And people mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. they need to pick a side. You know, they yeah. need to be sure. on a team.
0: Let's just talk about the justice system. I mean, you guys shot season three the courtroom scenes two years ago. I don't know what it means that it's still a relevant point today. I don't know that you can say that it was prescient or that it's just a, a fact that things have remained the same for, for that period. But how much of that, Michaela, for you, how how much of those scenes was informed by any discussion around what kind of statement this was making?
1: You know, I think that there was a sense of, I can't remember her name from Amanda Italy. Knox. Yeah, Amanda Knox. I mean, oh, it, yes. it just has such Amanda Knox overtones. And I, I think we always think, is she the victim or is she a murderer? And what's just been amazing and sad for me is that I really wanted Polly to win. I really wanted Polly to win only because I want the truth to mean something. And then even though we shot it two years ago, it was clear that truth doesn't, it's starting to lose its power. We used to at least rely on that, if nothing else. And now we can't even because it becomes cult of personalities and conspiracy theories. And Mm -hmm you know, I'm, I'm as witchy as the next person. I'll play with crystals like candles and, you know, smudge things, but I want to believe that has power. But at the end of the day, like I have to believe my eyes and my ears (laughs) as well. Yeah, And that has to mean something that has to be the thing that connects everybody. And when that truth stops having any sort of heft. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the best example is probably with the pancake scene, which, Yeah,
0: um, I was gonna bring that up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. With Louis Anderson's character, the the people in the courtroom can't decide if what he's saying is pancake or murder. I mean, it's just the funniest thing. By the way, when I read that in the script, I laughed so hard that my husband came in the room and I read him the scene out loud. And then when we watched it, (laughs) I was there for the filming, still laughed. And then when we watched it cut together, I fell off the couch and almost wet my pants. It is sustainably the most funny joke (laughs) ever written in a script I've ever read in my entire life. And that's not like, I'm not being, I'm not just using superlatives. I'm telling you, like, I cannot believe how wonderful that scene is. But I mean, it is, it is the power of suggestion and Mm -hmm. what you really want to believe and how nobody is a good witness.
0: Polly, someone who's so experienced at packaging the truth, at delivering a set of facts, gets completely undermined and undercut by this person who kind of maybe rightfully steps out of line and says, wait, I heard something completely different. Mm -hmm. And then that just sort of upends the entire argument for her. Um, I think that's very meaningful. One of the the themes that keeps coming up is that people
2: who get rewarded for unacceptable behavior... In our society, Mm -hmm. and so uh, Polly is is sort of like the opposite. She's like, should it's the like, unfortunately, it's not a meritocracy. Like, if it were a meritocracy, the Pollys of the world would 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 succeed. And but in actuality, it's the Elliots of the world that succeed. Mm -hmm. He's constantly being rewarded for his bad behavior. That's consistent throughout. It's sort of like you want to believe that, that our society will reward the truth and that when the truth comes
0: out, justice is served, and then that's never the case. Right. I, I do want to reference, um, I think it was, it's Polly's last scene in the finale. She walks up to Dory after the verdict has been reached. She says, congratulations, you know, the justice system is broken, but at least it's serving someone. I feel like that's just that just sums it up. Certain people are beneficiaries to the ways that things are flawed and messed up and that.
1: And that's coming from her. a prosecutor who's not yeah. even, you know, who's part of the problem. I mean, the big part of the problem, I would say. Often, sure. You know, depending sure. on who you're prosecuting. But I don't think that Polly has political aspirations. You know, I think that no. she really is in it just to I think she is in it for justice.
2: But one thing's interesting, which is, you know, I don't think like not to say that this would have necessarily changed it, but some of the like the what's happened with Harvey Weinstein, for example, where justice has been accomplished in some measure, how that may or may not have changed how some of what is actually different in the society might have affected any of what happened, because correct me if I'm wrong, but like that wouldn't have even felt like a possibility when when that was being shot. Michaela, like we were still living in a world where that would never happen.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't think Harvey Weinstein's case is unfortunately the norm. I think it was the anomaly that made people really excited that there's a possibility that powerful men can go to jail. I mean, I think when you see Arpaio being pardoned in Arizona and yeah. then running and when we have this monster and, you know, in the White House, like, I, I, I don't think that we feel like and justice has finally prevailed. I don't think we're right. there. No, in no, shape or form. no.
0: Right. No,
2: but it's but it's different. It is different. It's not mm-hmm. it's not nothing.
0: Right. Not nothing. Um, I want to play another clip. This is Polly's closing statement from the season three finale, episode 10. So let's go ahead and take a look.
1: The truth about Dory Seif is that she couldn't get any job that she applied for. So she had literally nothing to do with her life. And that malaise turned into self-hatred. And that self-hatred turned into rage. And that rage burned so hot that the only thing that could put out that fire was the taste of human blood.
0: I mean, first of all, it's just an incredible performance from Michaela. I, uh, in my opinion. Thank you. I think we all agree that Polly is sort of on this quest for truth at all times, or most of the time. In this moment, I feel like she's serving up this version of the truth that Dory is this bloodthirsty, blood-hungry person. I don't know, that doesn't fully square with the person that she even is now. I mean, this whole closing statement culminates to Polly calling Dory evil. And she opens her statement by framing this thing to the jurors that, um, you know, if Dory walked into your office for a job interview, you would be charmed by her. She's good looking. She seems competent. She seems authentic. But in actuality, she's this monstrous person who's committed this really heinous thing. And she, um, in an earlier episode, I think, calls it a thrill kill that she killed keith uh, as a thrill kill which i would say is sort of true but also it comes to this head in the closing statement where dory is this evil evil monstrous person that i think the audience is still debating
1: to michael's point it's polly referring to the person that we've met and that we've known this whole time or the person mm-hmm. that she is fast becoming you know there's a second murder that happens, yeah. and so I think part of it is performative for Polly. She's got a job to do, and she's got to move these people. I think a lot of it is performative, and some of the language is a little arch. But I, I think, I mean, that on purpose to uh, yeah. a thrill kill.
2: I used to think it would it'd be interesting if, like, season two and season three were also part of the narrative, so mm-hmm. that if you were to keep pulling the ru- if you keep unpacking it further. The first thing we're told is, this is the end of the story. She was wrong, it was all in her head, and like that's the sort of the tragic end. But what if the narrative was even deeper than that? What if Dory's narrative included what happens in season two and season three, if that makes sense?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
2: Dory's twisted narrative actually goes so deep that she's still in the fantasy. In a yeah. way. In in the fantasy, she gets it wrong. Then she becomes a killer. Then she becomes a media sensation. Like, that was actually also part of the fantasy. Right. And so, in that version of it, what Mikhail is saying is 100% right, which is that version of Dory that Polly's describing may actually be the real, the truest version. Because we don't know how much of what we're seeing is still part of this narrative that Dory has that's still unfolding in front of us.
0: Interesting. So Polly's not that far off then.
2: I don't know. She might be, she might not be, but it's just, it's something that I think is interesting to contemplate, which is at what point is Dory not in her narrative anymore? And that's not Mm -hmm. something it's ever been decided about. But I think it's interesting to think about the possibility... That that thing we talked about in the beginning, that Dory has cast herself as the lead in this sort of Nancy Drew mystery that then goes horribly wrong.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But what if she cast herself in a bigger story Yeah. where it goes hor- horribly wrong and then she's hunted for it and then becomes a media that actually her v- her version of it was way longer than ours?
0: Yeah. It makes sense that she goes from the hunter to the hunted, and then she sort of is able to stand in that liminal space and between those And she's still two getting
2: per- off on it. She's still getting yeah. off on it. So, like, she wants to keep it going. So, like, let, let's say if 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 she goes and she rescues Chantal at the end of season one, then then it's done. It's over. It's over. She right. rescued Chantal, and now she's got to go back to being, being Dory. And on some level gets to say, I rescued Chantal, and that's great, and whatever. But, like, the party's over pretty soon after that. Everybody goes back to normal. But what if I kill somebody? Then maybe mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. keep this going a little longer. Maybe I can keep... I can stay... I can feel... Continue to feel this level of of relevance. She feels mm-hmm. relevant. She feels relevant and she feels like she exists in this very palpable way. She has feelings. She has all these feelings. Sure. So if she keeps doing it, then she gets to stay in that in that place.
0: Because she... Time and time again, she opts for the lie. She chooses to lie. So she's given an opportunity to be like, hey, we can do self-defense or we can plead that you just weren't even involved. Because she wants to keep it going. Totally. And Michaela, I should ask, do you think Polly's approach would have been any different if Dory had pleaded self-defense? This is just a fun little like...
1: Yeah, I think it would have really, I think it would have really, she would have had to work really hard. I think it would have been, you know, I think she would have turned it to the cover-up then. Why did you cover it up if it was self-defense, you know? But I think that that was Dory's like in every season, Dory makes a fatal error in judgment. Right. In terms of her case, I think John Reynolds' character was absolutely right to be so just livid when she says that she didn't murder him. It wasn't self-defense. And he's like, but,
0: you did kill but him. But it was soft.
1: Self-de- like, that was the one thing it was.
0: It's right, just right.
1: It's just the layers of these characters It's just never-ending. I cannot believe the complexity of every single turn in the show. You can't get ahead of it at all.
0: You can't. And speaking of the complexity of the show, I do want to ask, was there this feeling that you and Charles and Sarah Violet were creating something that might even be too complex or too nuanced for an audience? I mean, because, I mean, we're dealing with these dense, dense things here.
1: I think that we've been underestimating our audiences for so long. And that's what I love. It's that this, you know, uh, like the way Michael was a pioneer. I think these guys are pioneers.
2: And they're always pushing for the big ideas. All those thematic ideas and those big things that they're aiming at are always very important. Very important. Mm -hmm. And they're always aspiring. I see them always aspiring and pushing to achieve something that is... Working on both a deep intellectual level and also as just great entertainment, e- even with the art, you know, like I'm looking at I have all, a whole bunch of search party postcards in front of me like the different genres of movie posters that have inspired each season. Right. And and they really think about that. You know, that's that's yeah. like really in there, you know, like, and the different kind of like cinematic references that are being brought into it, whether it's, you know, in the costumes, Jory's red dress that she wears and like, mm-hmm. you know, all of that stuff is like, they're endlessly motivated to care about those details.
1: I mean, it just seems like most people just are so psyched when they just get their show on the air. And then they just want to make it as I'm like that. T- tidy as possible. I'm like
2: that. You know, I, I'm like, I'm always the one being, I'm I'm the one that's always like, it's, it's good guys. This is, this works. It's good. Like, why are we still talking about it? You know, why are we still, Yeah. why are we still pitching on this one idea? We, what we have works, you know, and I'm always amazed. And they're
1: so thoughtful. Yeah. And yeah. I'm
2: always amazed when, you know, three weeks later, there's a better idea comes up that, that is because they're not satisfied with it just being good enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Right.
1: But
0: there's just that level of care throughout each season that I feel like, um yeah, yeah, it's just so apparent. And yeah, I, I do want to appreciate the visuals, too, for a second. I love that first season visuals were very much like Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, sort of that painting style. And then two was more Hitchcock posters mm-hmm. where Otto it was Preminger, sort of
2: Hitchcock. Well, it was that that artist that does those posters. specifically. Yeah. That that artist whose right. name I can't remember. But, mm-hmm. you know, the like broken glass and the fractured imagery and stuff.
0: And then, and then just for this season, I just love that it takes on this new sort of shapeshifty, chameleony exterior of this procedural show, but, in, but it sort of breaks all those rules, too, mm-hmm. in this wonderful way, especially with Dory representing herself by the end, giving this cathartic closing statement that is still entrenched in a lie, that she did not do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's sort of up for debate whether or not she thinks she's actually innocent, because I'm not sure. And that's like the, you know, we've we've talked a lot about like OJ OJ Simpson
2: or Lance Lance Armstrong or or mm-hmm. the guy that wrote a million little pieces. Like there's these famous instances in the culture of these kind of very, very public like lie, lie moments, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and sometimes there's it's unveiled, the truth is unveiled, and then that the the liar has to kind of come clean. But the looming question in OJ is like what does he think? Does he, you know, yeah. his guilt aside, like, it seems like he really believes at this point that he didn't do it.
0: A couple more questions before we uh, end things. If you were on trial for murder, which of the three lawyers, Polly, Cassidy, or Bob, Louis Anderson, uh, would you want representing you? I think I have my answer. And I can start. Um, I would say I would want someone like Bob, someone who's just like, hapless and like a little tactless even who's just sort of like yeah you know it'll be like someone who can calm me down by putting his like detachment out there and just being like it's fine what it will be okay just sort of low touch just like let's just go in there and just we'll 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 we'll, like get it over with and it'll what will be will be
1: you know i wish i could have cassidy with the experience under her belt of of polly Because Cassidy was really smart and just doesn't have the experience under her belt. Sure, but she prevailed, I guess.
0: Michael, who would you who would you want to represent you in a murder? Case? I think
2: um, Louis Anderson. I think th- there is a kind of um, he feels believable somehow.
0: Yes, and yes. so
2: and so there's this feeling of you want to feel like the lawyer has no ulterior motive other than the truth, and there's there's a I think Cassidy is. Very. They're all very good. They're all very good. But he seems the most like I wouldn't do this if I didn't believe. If you know, I wouldn't be here if I didn't believe my client. You know, there's something. You know, there's something very kind of reassuring about his energy.
0: There's a true neutral. There's like a. There's yes. like a, a neutral element to to, yeah. him, uh, yeah. to to his like operation. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Very good. And then, finally, Polly says that she believes in karma. Uh, she tells Dory that, as a practicing Buddhist, that she believes in karma. Do we think that um, in season four, and uh, not to give too much away with the last scene of season three, do we think that Dory will get her full comeuppance by the end of the series?
1: Well, you know, that that scene, it's funny because Charles came to visit me one time, and uh, it was between we had wrapped and he everything was in the can. And when it launched on HBO Max and we were talking about the season and how it had turned out. And I said, oh, is that I I always love that scene in the hallway with Dory at the very end. It just felt like such a button opportunity for more. And he said, oh, we had to cut it for time. And then I said, (gasps) oh, that's that's too bad. And then he told me later, he goes, after our conversation, I opened it back up and I put it back wow. in. Yeah. I'm so happy because I I did me love too. that exchange between the two of them alone in the hallway.
0: It sort of feels necessary. That That's a necessary exchange, it's I feel, so as ominous. an audience member. It's
1: so ominous.
0: Very. Well, thank you so much to my guests, Michael Showalter and Michaela Watkins, for joining me today to talk about truth and lies. I hope you both live honest, um... <laughs> I thought
1: you were going to say, I hope you both live and just leave it there.
0: And just leave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. That's (laughs) ominous.
1: I hope we live too.
0: I hope you live. I I hope I live (laughs) too. I hope you live. (laughs) Okay. How's everyone feeling? Closer to the truth of search party? Yeah, me neither. But that ambiguity is such a huge part of the brilliance of the show Anyway, I'd like to thank Michael Showalter and Michaela Watkins for stopping by today to give their thoughts and insights into today's theme of truth and lying. Until next time, I'm Bowen Yang. Join me next week for two new episodes in which we deep dive into the many themes of Search Party with even more special guests. Search Party, the podcast, is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell, produced and written by Jonah Bayer, written and researched by Marissa Brown, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. If you haven't already subscribed, To rated or reviewed Search Party the podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you might get your podcasts. And don't forget to watch season four of Search Party, premiering January 14th only on HBO Max.